Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hi, this is Valerie Koo from the Sydney Writers' Centre and today I'm here with Robert Kiyosaki, the man behind the worldwide phenomenon Rich Dad Poor Dad series and his latest book is Midas Touch, Why Some Entrepreneurs Get Rich and Why Most Don't. Robert, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you. I'm honoured to be in your presence. (laughs) (laughs) That's very kind of you. Now tell us, why don't most entrepreneurs get rich? Well, the problem is they go to school. (laughs) And, you know, schools don't teach you to be entrepreneurs. Schools teach you to be employees. <clears throat> they also teach you not to make mistakes in school. I mean, how silly that is. The only way I learned to walk or ride a bicycle or as a pilot, you, you fall down a couple of times. So most people who go to school come out risk-averse. And rather than becoming entrepreneurs, they become bureaucrats. You know, and a bureaucrat is somebody who has managerial power, but they have no physical risk, fiscal risk. They don't, they'll never lose. If they make a bad decision, they don't get, they don't pay for it, you know. So that's what most bureaucrats are. It's like Obama and Bernanke in the U.S. They're bureaucrats. They screw up. This guy Bush. They screw up big time. We pay for it. So that's the difference of people who go to school and entrepreneurs. They're very different people. So the concept of Midas touch is great, great imagery, because in the book you actually talk about, uh, you know, your thumb and your five fingers. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the Midas Touch is really simple to remember, okay? Uh, Donald and I have been friends for since about 2004, and we're very concerned because uh, unemployment is rampant across the U.S. Now, one in six Americans is now in poverty. I think there's 47 million in poverty in America. And the reason is they went to school again. They learned nothing about money. So to we, the only way we're going to solve this problem is by creating more entrepreneurs. And like I said, we, our schools can't do that. Corporations won't do it. So the minus touch is five things you got. You must remember. Number one is the thumb, which is strength of character. You fail, stand up. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't just stand up. Own it. Keep going on. Strength. This is focus. You know the index finger. This is where I'm going. And I talk about how I went to flight school. You know, preparing to fly in Vietnam. You know, people are shooting at you. You still got to stay focused on your target, even if you get killed in the process. This one, everybody knows, this is what you stand for, you know. So Donald stands for the the absolute wealth. And what I stand for is very simple financial education. Keep it simple, you know. Teach people to manage their money. So I stand for that, and I don't ever get off that track. The ring finger is for relationships. If If somebody is struggling financially, be it a company, a country, or marriage, it's because you have a bad relationship. And the thing that Donald and I always say is that you can't do a good deal with a bad partner. And God knows I've had some bad partners. And they're just incompetent, but they want to pretend they're smart. And then the little one is a little finger. Every entrepreneur must do something that nobody else does. For example, in the United States, Walmart, their whole system of business is designed to give you the lowest price possible. Everything. 
Whereas a little mom and pop store, they'll say, well, we put things on sale. That's not the same thing. FedEx says overnight. That was their whole thing. They built the whole company around that little promise. Uh, Domino's Pizza in America was pizza in less than 30 minutes. So the entire business was built around one simple little promise. And those are the things that make entrepreneurs extremely rich or extremely poor if they don't have those five. Now, it's interesting that you talk about the little things. You're a consummate marketer of books, and you've built an empire on them. Uh, tell me, what, when it comes to a book, what are the little things that an author needs to do? Well, that's why I'm, I'm honored to meet you because, I mean, you're, you're a great writer, and I flunked out of school because I can't write, so I don't know what I do most of the time. I just know, uh, as we're talking about, you have a degree in accounting and economics and all this, plus you work for PR firms. So what really makes a person successful is not that you're monoculture, mono-disciplined. Uh, uh, you have to be a synergy of different skill sets. So I'm a best-selling author. I am not a best-writing author. So what I do is when I'm writing, I'm selling constantly. I am a salesman. I am not a writer. And so that's why I make a lot of you know, A students crazy is because this guy can't write. I say, yeah, but I can sell. <laughs> and so uh, I had to learn how to sell. And if you're going to be a capitalist like I am, selling is your number one skill. If you can't sell, you can never be an entrepreneur, period. Apart from selling, as you just touched on then, you say that you need a synergy of different skills and right. a fairly broad range to be a, right. of skills to be an entrepreneur. And in the book you say, don't specialise. Now that kind of flies in the face of some advice that business mentors give about you've got a niche and you've got to narrow down your target and your audience and what you do. So what, what's your comment on that? Well, that's good for small business people. You know, if you want to stay small, be the smartest guy on the block. And that's why most accountants, most attorneys, most doctors never get rich. It's because they're too narrow. You know, they're experts in toenail removal or something, you know what I mean? Or my attorney, a poor guy is an A student, but he knows jack about outside of that. Whereas I never had, I'm a, I flunked out of high school twice because I can't write. It's irony that I'm a writer today. <laughs> but the reason I'm pretty good is because in the military we're taught to be generalists, not specialists. So when I sit down with my team, I have accountants, I have attorneys, I have media guys, I have IT guys, I have graphic designers and all this. So I operate as a team since I don't know anything. So in, in actuality, being a great entrepreneur means I could be the laziest guy and I can know the least. But I have to have a very smart team with just a ring finger around me. So because I was never smart, I had respect for people who are smart. And a lot of times I meet A students and they think they're the smartest guys on planet Earth. And that lack of respect is what keeps them small. And that's what most corporate guys want to do. Stay small, you know, you gotta, you gotta climb that corporate ladder, you gotta beat the other guy for that job. And it's all that stuff. It's not the way an entrepreneur really works. It's, it's corporate. It's school system. You know, you gotta beat up for the grades. You gotta have the best grades. I don't have to be the best, but I have to hang out with the best. Mm. In, in the book, you opened with this great story of how you got onto Oprah in 2000, and it was kind of a, good, a big break for you. Yeah. Should, is your advice to other entrepreneurs to be searching for a big break? And if so, how, what's your advice on how for them, for them to position themselves in the best way to increase the chances to get a big break? Well, again, I said it might have said, you've got to have five things going for you. And when you're prepared, it happens. Mm. But if you're not prepared, it doesn't happen. For example, you know, I was out here in Aussie when Oprah called. Mm. I didn't start preparing when she called. You know, I was prepared when she called. 
And my wife calls up and says, hey, Oprah called. I go, so what? She says, well, she wants you on a program. I go, so what? Because, you know, real men don't watch Oprah. <laughs> you know, watch Oprah, not me. You know what I mean? I don't watch Oprah. I didn't know who she was. So my wife says, get your butt home now. So I fly all the way from the bush, way inland from Brisbane, to Brisbane, to Phoenix, to Chicago, and I'm sitting on Oprah. It's too late to practice. <laughs> you know, so, but I have done so many PR stunts, you know, stuff like this here. I've practiced, 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 practiced. And so when Oprah, the lights went on, oh, my God, this is it. It's too late to practice. And I learned that in the military as a pilot in Vietnam. You know, I don't say, well, I should have, I should have stuck a little harder before I got to Vietnam. You know, practice, 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 practice. Because when that little Viet Cong was shooting at me, you know, there's only one guy going home that day, mm -hmm. him or me. And that is too late to practice. And what happens for most entrepreneurs is they don't have the skills. They don't practice enough. There's a very good book called Outliers, The Story of Success. I think it's the best book for entrepreneurs because it talks how the Beatles became the Beatles. You know, they played more than any other band in history. They played for almost for free in what, Frankfurt or Hamburg, wherever they were. And the average person doesn't practice enough. Okay, great advice. So one of the things that you were saying is, you know, you get the skills, practice. So you alluded or you gave a bit of a teaser in the book to the Global Entrepreneurs Organization. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're planning there? Yeah, it's called GEO, Global Entrepreneurs Organization. And it's my company because we develop entrepreneurs. We're developing a worldwide web game that's going to teach entrepreneurship via games because games are the best way to learn. But also we're starting an on-the-ground type of thing where people start, we're going to start training people how to think like an entrepreneur. There's a difference between a small entrepreneur and a big entrepreneur. You see, a big entrepreneur, the, the, the problem with small entrepreneurs is they're the product. Like if I'm a dentist, you know, I'm it. It's hard to expand. If I'm a shoeshine guy, I can't expand. But to be a big entrepreneur, you've got to be able to, I've got to be able to leverage. In other words, I can't do, I cannot be my business. The second thing must be, uh, what was that one. Anyway, it must be predictable. It must expand. And then once it's that, it must be financeable. See, and there's a big difference between small and big. So the good thing about me, a small entrepreneur says, I can't find money. The reason is because you're small. You know, you think too small. Like when, I, when I'm thinking about my worldwide web game right now, people are throwing money at me. You know, they all want to be part of my business. Why? Because it's expandable. It's big. It's a big thought. It's not dependent upon me. And most small entrepreneurs in business is them, you know. If it was Robert Kiyosaki, ice cream shop, nobody invested in me. So you've got to think big. So that's what Minus Touch is about, that's what Geo is about, is to train people to think bigger. And you can't do it by yourself. Mm. You know, I can't do it. And that's the good thing about being a C and an F student was I was not smart. So I, I don't depend upon me, I depend upon other things to, to get my job done. I'm sitting here, I'm still making money. If my business shut down, I'd still make money, mm. you know, because I think differently. And about thinking big, I come across, obviously, at the Sydney Writers' Centre, many authors uh, who may not yet be bestsellers like you, but a lot of them don't necessarily think of themselves as a business. They That's think correct. of themselves as authors. But what's your advice to them if they actually want to make it big, get on the bestseller lists, 
do they need to be thinking of themselves as a business and their book as a product? Yeah, I said it earlier. You know, I'm not a best-selling, I'm not a best-writing author, I'm a best-selling author. And I was talking to you about you with your accounting background as well as your PR background. It's a synergy of different skill sets. So the trouble with most writers, they're actually craftsmen, they're tradespeople. They can write a book by themselves. The same as me, I can write a book by myself. But I have a business that markets my books. And my books are marketed, I think, in 112 countries. You know, every month I get checks home coming in and all this. But I think like a businessman. I don't think like a writer. And I will say it again. I flunked out of high school twice because I cannot write. And I still don't know how to write. That's why I was saying to you, I should come here to the Sydney Writer Center and learn how to write. You know, because I never learned how to write. So when you are thinking of your next idea for a book, tell me about the process. Do you actually map out the whole marketing strategy beforehand or do you sit down and write? <laughs> I sit there and uh, I write. And I, I, you know, the good thing about the Apple computer, I just delete, delete, delete. <laughs> next morning I come and I start again. Right. Pretty soon the thoughts start to crystallize and the thoughts start to take shape. Like when I wrote Midas Judge, and I said, that's a good title, now what do I do? And I said, oh, let me use the fingers. So it was just kind of a combination of the title and how do I get my message through. Mm -hmm. The trouble with most writers is they want to sound intelligent. But Donald and I have been friends for years. We don't need to be intelligent. We just want to be rich. And so we want to keep it simple, you know, keep it super, super simple. Communicate with people. Most writers, I read their economic books, I read their finance books, they all try to sound intelligent. And the trouble is the more intelligent you sound, the smaller market you have. You know, so the good thing about it, Donald was a poker ace student, I wasn't. So I just keep it simple. Now, you're very humble when you say you're not the greatest writer, but I believe, because I've read many of your books, that you are a master storyteller. Yes, sir. And you have many stories in this book from your, the story about getting on Oprah to your Pensacola Wings of Gold and getting on to be a combat pilot. How important is storytelling when it comes to business? Well, if you look at the richest guys on earth, I mean, the most powerful, they were storytellers. Jesus Christ, I'm not really Christian, but he was a great storyteller. The Bible is nothing. Bible comes from the word biblio, bibliotech. There's a book of stories. That's all that Matthew is a story. You know, there's, there's stories. And stories are the ways humans learn. It's been passed down through centuries. You know what I mean? It's cavemen sitting around the fire. They told their history via stories. And what happens is when people go to school, they become technical writers, not storytellers. And if you're a technical writer, your, your, your market niche is very, very narrow. I write for the general public. You know, Donald and I write for the general public because we're not really good writers. Just tell us, because a lot of our community would be interested uh, in your actual writing process, as in on a day to day. When you when you sit down and you're ready to write, do you have a ritual? Do you you know do you have to start off the day by with a long black, or do you actually have to go through a certain process in order for you to get into the zone? Or do you write on airplanes? <laughs> I write all the time now. I mean, I, I really, it's strange to have been a kid who hated writing to now I love writing. And I just hated school. I wasn't afraid of writing. <laughs> but uh, my ritual is pretty close to that. I, I just get up in the morning and I just start cranking away and, and I, I know what I want to say. You know, you know I, I know what I want to say, I just don't know how to say it. And so I'll say it, delete, say it, delete, say it. And pretty soon it simplifies down. So, oh, that's what I'm trying to say. 
You're an author and a businessman and a rugby fanatic. Um, what gets you out of bed in the morning these days? You have to, you've been doing what you've been doing for so long. What excites you? What's your passion? Well, it's, not, it's really not passion. I'm very concerned. Uh, I travel the world, and uh, I see poverty on the increase. You know, I, I just came back from Rio, and they have a thing called favelas. Favelas are slums, and they're increasing. Long Beach, California is a big slum right now, and I see poverty increasing. So Donald Trump and I get together because we're educators. We need more entrepreneurs. You know, the, our Obama and Bernanke and the corporate guys, they can't create jobs. They kill jobs. You know, Obama... Obama is a labor union guy. They kill more jobs than anybody else on planet Earth. And Obama goes to them for advice on how to save the economy. Well, how can a labor union save the economy? They kill jobs. And I know Australia is a big labor state and all this. But what gets me up is poverty is spreading at high rates of speed. You know, China is about to crash. People don't know, oh, China's rich. No, they're not. China is about to crash. And what's going to happen? All these middle class guys. They're going to lose their jobs. In Australia, the middle class is getting wiped out. The first book I wrote with Donald was Why We Want You to Be Rich. It was about the demise of the middle class. So what gets me up is our school system is not doing their job. You know, we need to get rid of most of those school teachers and bring entrepreneurs in and teach people what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. The trouble is the school system is the biggest labor union in America. So I'm not anti-labor, I'm not anti-unions. I'm anti-ignorance. And we've really got to have more entrepreneurs. Otherwise, this poverty is just going to explode. America today, one in six Americans is in poverty. That's an increase, huge increase. And they still say, go back to school. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. To look for what? A job? And, you know, everybody says, well, you know, the, the, this, this great depression, we're in a new depression. What saved America during the last depression was we had factories. You know, Japan was bombed out. Germany was bombed, France, England were all bombed. We had factories. So that's what saved us during the last depression. This new depression, the factories are now in Taiwan, uh, Korea, Philippines, Indonesia, and all that. Where's the jobs? So this idea of going to school to get a high-paying job is really an obsolete idea. That's what gets me up. I still don't like school. I don't like most school teachers. They're good people. But I think they're doing a disservice by telling people to go to school to get a job. There's no jobs. So one of the things that you say in the book is that to get experience before you start your own yeah. company. And that may also fly in the face of some people saying to the Gen Ys and Gen Zs or whatever they are, you know, start your own startup, do your own startup. You can do it from 18. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's actually really easy to do a startup today because of the web. You know, you can, you can, you can create an app and you're technically an entrepreneur. To be a successful entrepreneur is a whole different story. Uh, what I say to guys my age, the old guys, and I say, what would you do if you lost your job? I said, I go back to, I go work for uh, McDonald's. I go, are you kidding me? I said, yeah. If I didn't have a job, I had no skill set, I would go work for McDonald's, and I would learn their systems, because McDonald's has the best systems, business systems in the world. And after I learned to master one little McDonald's outlet, you know, in Geelong, or wherever the heck it is, then I go and, I, I go to the owner and I say, I want two, and I want three, and I want four. And pretty soon, if I can manage like 10 McDonald's franchises, I'm rich again. Mm -hmm. But it's not anything but a mindset. And most people look down upon McDonald's, but McDonald's does something extremely well. They're fantastic business systems. And of course, the all-important question to finish with, <laughs> who do you want to win the World Cup? Well, I always cheer. I, I'm also always been with the Tri-Nations. I love the Springboks. 
I love the Wallabies, and I love the All Blacks. So as long as the Southern Hemisphere nation wins, I'm happy. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time today, Robert. Thank you. You've been listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online, including details about our courses, seminars and online learning, as well as information on our regular competitions where you can win books, movie tickets and literary experiences at www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au or visit me on my personal website, www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au ValerieKoo.com. That's ValerieKoo, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.